If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. Gets off the Taylor. He's in. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Fires that way. Picked off. Darius Leonard at the five-yard line. Plants in the pocket. The Colts bring it down. A sack for Indianapolis. Steps up into the end zone. He throws. Michael Pittman. Touchdown. Let's get the podcast started. What's up, everyone? This is the Colts official podcast presented by WinBet. I'm JJ Stankovitz. Matt Taylor's here. Casey Vallier's here. We are here on 56th Street recording this podcast for the last time until late August. How about that? We're going to be recording our episodes every Tuesday from Grand Park starting next week when players arrive, veterans arrive, to training camp in Westfield on July 26th. We're going to have a lot of good stuff coming to you on the Colts Audio Network from Grand Park. Mm -hmm. Interviews with players every day. Inside football with Rick Venturi is going to start back up. Daily updates are going to start back up. Going to be a lot of really good stuff from Grand Park. I mean, football's back. We're here. I mean, we are are there. This is like like the world's longest Christmas Eve of like, (laughs) you're just like constantly waiting of like, all right, it feels like we're so close. Like, wow, we're a week (laughs) away. And then it's like, we're still a week away. That's not... It's, it's not right around the corner, but it is right around the corner. You're still over a week away, and I'm still watching that weather forecast. I know. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. Looking in the 90s. I'm checking out the humidity. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, how much of a hot box is this going to be up at Grand Park? It's going to be great. I want to – you know. I, like, but the, the entire summer has been smoking oh, around yeah. here, so, so it's not hot, like yeah. it's we're not used right. to it. We've had air conditioning to get into. Don't have that in the radio tent at Grand no, Park. No. Hey, at least it's somewhat shaded. It is sh- it's, that's it's why, shade. That's why I, I was I was in favor of those morning practices. <laughs> yes, not that agreed. noon is bad, but I was you know start that bad boy around nine thirty. Get it done. Get it over with before we get into the heat of the day. Even then, those ones last year. Oh, but yeah, these these ones still starting at noon. I'm gonna I'm gonna lose about 15 pounds during training camp, just sweating it off. It's gonna be great. I'm good with that. I, I could yeah. use I could use you know a little, a little bit of weight the loss. Sauna, for sure. Casey's right. in the sauna with the towel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a good image. There you go. I'll just I'll put it around my was it John Thompson? I'll just wear it around my neck. You know the old Georgetown coach. Yeah, drape gonna, drape it over your yeah, shoulder. It would yeah. be like oh, yeah. Burgess Meredith. You know, like, yeah, you got another round in your rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's over, rock. <laughs> Give that guy some Lipton iced tea. <laughs> Well, we got some things to talk about ahead of training camp. We've got some uh, – looking at some players who we think deserve some more hype than they're getting. we got bold predictions for training camp. And we're going to take a little trip in the Colts' time machine, <laughs> which is a segment I love that Mayte put in here. we got a ch- uh, chat with Zaire Franklin coming up uh, that Lara and Mayte did uh, earlier this month about his foundation, Salisha's Angels. Our mailbag, our random thought of the week, that's all coming up on this podcast. So let's start here with Colts training camp being a week away. This is a team that I think you you hear people around the NFL talk and like, yeah, the Colts got a pretty good team. But it seems like there are some guys who are getting overlooked both locally and nationally. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of the guys that we think maybe aren't getting the, the hype that we that they maybe deserve. I mean, obviously you've got guys like DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, Jonathan Taylor, those guys, they're always going to get the hype. Matt Ryan. There's a lot of hype around Matt Ryan, especially uh, from a national perspective, which I think is really interesting about what he can do in Frank Reich's offense. Colts also made some other big additions this offseason. season. Unique and Gakwe, Stefan Gilmore. 
So, Mete, start with you on this. What players on the Colts roster deserve more hype than they're getting right now a week away from training camp? Love it. Uh, I jotted down a few. few on offense and a few on defense. Mo Alley-Cox, Nick Cross, uh, safety, Will Fries, Tyquan Lewis, and EJ Speed. Tell me about Mo Alley-Cox on that one. The Colts love him. Uh, Great blocking tight end. Maybe not as good as Jack Doyle. But pretty darn good. I think he was the sixth best blocking tight end uh, last year in terms of run blocking grade. And, you know, the Colts bring him back in free agency. I just think he's ready for more. I think the Colts need more from him in the passing game. He's still going to be that F tight end. The Y tight end is going to be more like the Kylan Grants and the Jelani Woods. But Mo is... He's he's ready for a bigger role, and I think he deserves more hype in this offense as a playmaker going into the season. I mean, I think Mo Mo's run blocking gets really underrated. Um, he was early on in free agency too. Like the Colts didn't yeah. mess around with that. That's why I think he deserves more hype and is going to be more prominent than what we think initially about him going into the season. I know I've talked about this a lot on this podcast, but the the stuff the Colts did in their run game last year with Mo and Jack on the field at the same time. Some of the stuff they were able to get into right. with that big 12 personnel, Mo's the one left out of that. And Mo's a really good, like you said, he's a really good run blocker. Maybe he's not as accomplished as Jack Doyle, but he's still one of the best run blocking tight ends in the NFL. Right. That still allows you to get into some certain concepts with Mo out there for Jonathan Taylor that he was successful in last year. 100%. So I got him on offense. I got Nick Cross on defense. And the, the screwed up thing about Nick Cross this dude can't even go to, like, Ale Emporium right now and order a beer. He doesn't turn 21 until right. September. <laughs> and so the, the start of the regular season is when this guy's going to legally get his first uh, drip of alcohol in a bar. You know what I can't wait for? So I just saw this tweet um, that, that came across about the MLB All-Star game. And yep. now I'm going somewhere with this, so hang with me here. So 21-year-old Julio Rodriguez of the Seattle Mariners – is in the All-Star game with Albert Pujols, who is in an All-Star game with Cal Ripken, who is in an All-Star game with Johnny Bench, who is in an All-Star game with Mickey Mantle, who is in an All-Star game with Pee Wee Reese, who is in an All-Star game with Mel Ott, who is in an All-Star game with Babe Ruth. We can do this with Nick Cross. Give, <laughs> wow. it, like, give it like 15 years, because Nick Cross it's and like Matt Kevin Ryan have been on the same team at the same time. It's like Kevin Bacon in yeah. movies, right? And we, the... we could go from like, <laughs> like Nick Cross to like Roddy White to go like all the way back until we get to like, wow. you know, like Merlin Olson or something like that. Probably. <laughs> That's something. Start with Ed Reed, you know, because they both play the safety position. But I just think with the retirement of of Kari Willis, he's going to be a factor on this team, probably a big one before season's end, and thus I think should be getting more hype. And we should not count out the fact that he might be. The starting safety, you know, week one, depending on how right. that battle goes between he and Rodney McLeod. So I've got Will Fries because of depth, Tyquan Lewis because of depth, and then who knows if we're going to see Darius Leonard this training camp. So I throw EJ Speed because outside of the amazing takeaway plays and the game-changing ability of Darius Leonard, which is what makes Darius Darius Leonard, I think EJ Speed is Darius Leonard 2.0. He's Agreed. fast. He's rangy. I think he's invaluable to the Colts on special teams and defense. He's a great depth piece that I think deserves more hype because of what he can do from a versatility standpoint on the roster. So I know I kind of stole the show there, but I got a lot of guys that I think are deserving of more hype because I think they're going to play a bigger role than what we think. I think piggybacking off the guys you said, I also threw in Grover Stewart. He's Mm -hmm. a guy that I think 
within this room and I know underrated within this guy. building. Very, very underrated. We all know the impact that Big Grove has. He's one of those guys. He's just you got the great personality. We all love Big Grove, but then what he does on the field, he's really seems like year in, year out, he gets better each year, each time he steps on the field. So I think he is a key piece of that defense. And this one's going to be a little a little off the uh, off the wall a little bit. Michael Pittman Jr., I think we've talked about all the other pieces, but he's kind of a name that we just kind of throw him out there to go, he, he's the go-to guy, but there's not too much talk about him. I think him. we're just throwing him out there and assuming he's going to get his 1,000 yards. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? There's a lot more to appreciate about Exactly, right. and, and I'm, I'm really anxious to kind of see what, you know, just having a guy, a veteran presence like Matt Ryan, what that does to Michael Pittman. Also, you've got that emergence of Jonathan Taylor, which mm-hmm. gives you that other dynamic inside that offense. So I'm really anxious to kind of see where he elevates his game here this year. We saw on Good Morning Football, a, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was talking about how he thinks Michael Pittman Jr. at the end of the season yeah. could be the be- one of the best receivers in the game. So, hey. you know, there's, there's a lot of hype now starting, you know, as we're gearing up for things. So I- I'm anxious to see what he does here in year we'll three. We'll need a Madden ratings adjustment. I don't know what his Madden rating is, but he's it wasn't in the top ten. Um, neither was Jamar Chase, so I guess you know I don't know. Wouldn't feel too bad about that right. if I was Michael Pittman, but yeah, we'll probably see a ratings adjustment for him. I I don't think Unique Ngakwe, the Colts trade to get him, is getting enough hype nationally. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. I like it's like every time I hear it, it's like and the Colts traded for Unique Ngakwe, and it's like and the Colts traded. For one of the most consistently dominant pass rushers in the NFL over the last six years, and it was a player for player deal. Yeah, right. You know, they didn't have to give up a draft. No pick trades, for it. right? No, yeah, exactly. You, no you compensation. Traded a, you traded a cornerback, a solid player in Rocky scene in his own right, who probably didn't fit Gus Bradley's system, for a guy who there have been two players in the NFL since 2016 to have eight sacks every year, and it's Unique Ngakwe and Aaron Donald. I mean. <laughs> Pretty good company, and right? pretty good. And again, the, the Colts traded a cornerback yes. for a defensive end, and not just any defensive end. One of the best last yeah, year. As you said, as you chronicled, right. JJ, one of the best, most consistent defensive ends of the last six, seven years. So, it's it's amazing what they were able to pull off just in terms of positional value in the trade. So I, I, I always think about this, and this is something that my, my late colleague, John Moon Mullen at NBC Sports Chicago, always told me. Because the thing he always talked about was Richard Dent, who played for the Colts for a little bit, the colonel, always said that to be a great defense, you, have, you had to have three great pass rushers. It was his rule of three. When the Colts got Unique Ngakwe, you pair him with DeForest Buckner and an ascending Quiddy Pay. There's your rule of three right there. Mm-hmm. Because you can't block everyone. You, you can double one, two of those guys on a play, but someone's going to be right. singled up. And whether it's Quiddy or Unique or you get DeForest in a situation where he's singled up on a center, which is an awful matchup for pretty much any center in the NFL, or a guard, I mean, whatever it is, um, that, to me, getting Unique and Gakwe gives the Colts that three really good Effective pass rushers, and then you go third and long and bring in the NASCAR I mean, package. Dude, you, yeah. go, you, go third and long, you go, you get into third and long against this team, and you might go, Quiddy Pay, Dio Adangbo, DeForest Buckner, and Unique Ngakwe. Yep, and then on the outside, shutting it down. Hopefully, you have a healthy Stephon right. Gilmore playing at his close to 2019 Kenny level. Kenny right. Moore the second. Yep. And then, I mean, you know, if you want to get nuanced, you got Darius Leonard coming off a of blitz, yep. and he's got 15 career sacks. But, I mean, the thing is, Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley's defense is he doesn't blitz a lot because he does he, at its best form, he doesn't have to. Right, hopefully he shouldn't got, have to. Like yeah. last year with the Raiders, they didn't blitz a whole lot, but they had Unique Ngakwe and Max Crosby yep. on the edges. 
now you've got I'm not going to say Quiddy's going to be Max Crosby because Mac. I mean Max Crosby is probably the best defensive end in the NFL last mm-hmm. year. No disrespect to T.J. Watt, um, but you throw DeForest Buckner in there. That's a presence that the Raiders did not have last year. That's a presence that even those Chargers defenses with Joey Bosa right. didn't have. Now that we're talking about the defensive line, I want to double back to a guy that I had on my list. I don't think there should be anyone more. You know, personally excited for his own sake for the upcoming season than Tyquan Lewis. Yeah, because he was really on the come before his season ended abruptly last year with that torn, was a torn pec, torn, torn patellar, patellar. Dude, tendon. I mean that that was like the most cruel injury I think I've ever seen in the NFL. Hundred <laughs> percent. Interception. It's just awful. Colts yeah. are up two scores. Was it two scores or the chance to go up two scores? I think scores? it was a chance to go up two Ch- scores. The chance to go up two yeah. scores. And then fumble and then he returns the next it in play. plus territory. It's his fir- yeah. Like the I mean, the the best executed. The highs and lows are yeah. just oh and then oh yeah. But he was but you're right, yeah. p- playing great, signed a one year deal in the offseason, just so excited for him personally to see where he can pick up where he left off and just the attitude. No one has a better attitude oh. than Taekwon Lewis. I'm really hoping he can capitalize on a healthy season this year and be part of that mix. I mean, he's not hes not going to be a starter. He's probably not going to play like 60% of the snaps. But, man, he's going to be a factor, and the Colts trust him to be a factor, part of that eight-man rotation, if you will, on the defensive line. He showed versatility last year to play inside and outside, so just really excited for what this season could be for him. Casey, anyone we're missing here? I mean, I'm sure there's a handful of guys we're missing. I mean, there's certain guys, like I look at it like Rigoberto Sanchez. He's one of the best punters in the league. I mean, I don't know if we're going to put him in that category. Those are the kind of guys that I'm sure we're missing. But you always talk about offense and defense. Just does his so job, it, you know? Yeah. There's so many of those guys on this team that I'm sure we're missing, but they just go out and they do their job, and they're they're perfect for what this team is. So when you have those elite players, when we talk about you know Buckners and Leonard's and Matt Ryan, when they do their job, everybody else just kind of follows suit, and that's where you have a good collection yep. of a roster. When you can just trust everyone to do their jobs. All right, let's talk some bold predictions. Now that we've kind of got our camp juices flowing, give me one bold prediction, each of you guys, for what we're going to see up at Grand Park starting <laughs> next week. Casey, what's the hill you're going to die on? Oh, boy. On, on the Colts. You're let's ready? Go. 2022. Yeah. <laughs> My bold prediction is that Bernard Ryman is going to be your starting left tackle when week one rolls around. Whoa! That's a good one. That That's is my bold good, prediction. That is bold. That's a good it's hard prediction. because we don't know anything. We really don't know anything. We haven't seen him in right. pads. He's we never played really, in a preseason never game. Never played in a preseason game. As of game. now, right? And then you got Matt Pryor, who we saw very limited of. I don't want to say this in a bad way. It's a crapshoot, really, to know what's going to happen because we've been fascinating don't know either way. But I am really intrigued when they get pads on and we get a chance to really see what is happening up at Grand Park. But that's my bold prediction is that Bernard Ryman is the left tackle they drafted and the guy that's going to be there hopefully for the next decade. Mete, what do you got? Wow, I like that actually. Oh, good. That's really good. All right, that's good. really, really good. That is bold too, by the way. <laughs> Very bold. And that's right. going to be fascinating because you've got a guy that has one career start at left tackle. Right. But he does have experience in the league versus a guy that's you know coming from Austria you know, learning, learning the game, the game. Well, learning, transitioning college, to the yes, NFL, two years, exactly, you know, was yeah. a former tight end, now offensive lineman. All right, my bold prediction, it's going to sound bad, but it's actually good. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor will not rush for 1,800 yards. Okay, yeah. That's my bold prediction. You, I, fo- I mean, you follow me on that one? I, I, I'm i picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a positive thing. I like yes. that. It's a positive yep. thing for the Colts. Agreed. If Jonathan Taylor's – if he's getting 25 carries a game, 150 yards in order for the Colts to even have a chance to win, I think something has gone wrong. 
and I think everybody in the front office would admit that. The Colts need to be more balanced than they, what they were last year, and I think with Matt Ryan in here, he's got a bevy of playmakers. He's going to spread the ball around, backs and tight ends and play action, get the ball out. I think the Colts are still going to be that team that tries to establish the run. They want to get Jonathan Taylor involved, but instead of seeing – you know, a 54-46 pass run ratio with Taylor in the backfield the last couple of years. Hopefully it's something more like 60-40. You got some chunk right. plays, yards after right. catch, and the passing game is sort of keeping you on schedule a little bit better down and distance-wise than what the Colts sort of relied on, on the running game to do just that last year. I mean, psychologically, there's no better weapon to combat an opposing defense than a running back like Jonathan Taylor, who just punishes you. And, he makes and yards when there are can, no yards to be made. I was know? I was watching a cut-up of all of his uh, runs with at least six yards after contact from last season. And, like, I mean, like, how do you stop this guy? Yeah. He can – he if, if you get your arms around him, he's going to drive his shoulder into you, keep his feet moving, and pick up extra yards. If you try to go at him at the ankles, he's going to shove you into the turf like he did that Bill safety – in the in week eleven, uh, Jordan Poyer, Jordan Poyer, where yeah. he just like, I mean, that's an all pro safety. He would just <laughs> boop, get into the turf. You're done. I saw something the other day. It was a Pro Football Focus that said that Jonathan Taylor's yak, his yards after contact alone last season, led the NFL. Would have still led all wow. NFL rushers. Yep. It did. Yeah, because <laughs> his if, yak alone right. would have been enough to lead the league in rushing. That's because everybody knew he was getting the football. <laughs> and he continued to just punish guys, even yeah. though everybody in the stadium knew. 60,000 people knew this guy's going to touch the football, and he still ran for 18. But you understand yards. what I'm saying? Though? I, the, yeah, the because, Colts, because, like, they when, needed to be more balanced. They just couldn't find it. They had a hard right. time throwing for over 200 yards a game. And when you, down when, the you have, when you have that guy in Jonathan Taylor who can make an explosive run anytime he touches the ball, then that really does wonders for your play-action game for Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. where that then leads to – not easier plays to read out and go through your progressions for, but you get a lot of your chunk plays off of play action. So then that can lead to more explosives in the passing game, which is generally going to be more efficient right. than running the ball, no matter who your running back is. So you're right, May- Maytay, that is, it would be, if Jonathan Taylor goes for 14, 1,500 yards, that's incredible. That's mm-hmm. still a great season. That's still going to led the NFL last year. Right. And the Colts would honestly prefer that because right. that means the passing game, and you would think, would. is providing more of their end of the bargain, if right. you will. Maybe you know, it's becoming more balanced. Maybe Tennessee. I think they want Derrick Henry to rush for 2,000 yards. I think that's kind of how they I mean, but I even, know. I know last year they were the first overall seed in the AFC, and he missed uh, half the but, season. But even, but. even that, that year where they made the AFC championship – Ryan Tannehill is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL because of what Derrick Henry did. 100%. I mean, because you tried to stop Derrick Henry. Tannehill, he averaged 9.6 yards per attempt that year, led the NFL in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his quarterback rating, or his passer rating, led the NFL at 117.5 because of all the play-action stuff they could do because of Derrick Henry. Right. That's what the Colts hope, you know, that I think if the Colts get something similar out of Matt Ryan, right. where... Yeah, you might not need Jonathan Taylor to go for 1,800 yards, but Matt Ryan can be incredibly efficient and explosive. That's a really good thing. Yeah, you want Jonathan Taylor to rush for 1,300, 1,400 yards, and you want Matt Ryan to throw for 4,100. Right. Yep. That, that's what. I, that's that's a positive thing for the Colts. Exactly. Statistically speaking, if Jonathan Taylor is not an MVP candidate and doesn't rush for 1,800 yards and he's not flirting with 2,000, 
statistically speaking, if he has a worse year, that could be a better thing for the Colts. Last year, he had all of these accomplishments, and the Colts were 9-8. and eight, Right. And they missed the playoffs. Yeah. You know, first rushing champ in the NFL to miss the postseason since Maurice Jones-Drew in 2011. The thing to look at still at JT will be his yards per attempt. He had five and a half yards per attempt last year. That was the highest mark in Colts history. Mm-hmm. If he's still at five and a half yards per attempt he, right. and, and gets 1,500 yards, then he's he's just as good. Right. He's getting just fewer just opportunities take, because they don't need him to get those. Take advantage of matchups on the outside, and hopefully, I mean, the Raiders game, just it, it just sticks out of my brain. Everybody knew, the Raiders knew the Colts were going to run the ball, and the Colts had a hard time winning outside of the box. Yeah. You know, teams just hopefully shouldn't be able to do that with Matt Ryan at quarterback this yeah. upcoming season. Real quick, uh, to, to bring it back, my bold prediction for training camp, the second-year defensive lineman we are going to come away most impressed with will be Dio Odengbo. Mm-hmm. And that's no disrespect to Quiddy Pay, who I think is going to have a really good camp. He's in for a really good season. Remember when the Colts drafted Dio Odengbo and Chris Ballard said he had to be talked out of drafting him in the first round? Yeah. That's how highly the Colts think of this guy. That guy's coming off Achilles, like, what, three months earlier? Yeah. Right. And Ballard was pretty sure that if he didn't take Odangbo at 54, that there was going to be another team right after him that was going to take him. So the Colts were not the only team in the NFL who had a very high grade on Dio Odangbo, but we didn't really get to see him much last year. He played in 10 games. He had that strip sack of Trevor Lawrence uh, that sealed the Jaguars' win at home. But, I mean, this this dude had no training camp, no offseason, Worked his way back, then gets thrown into the fire for his NFL debut. He didn't really have a base to go off of. Right. Hearing from him during the offseason program and where he's at mentally and physically right now, and with a full offseason of training, of practices, of meetings, um, man, I think this dude is going to have a really, really good season and a really good camp. He's six foot, what, six, six, got incredibly long arms, he's really quick, he's He's strong. Uh, I can't wait to see what he does in those one-on-one pass rushing drills, whether he's going up against a tackle or a guard mm-hmm. based on, hey, we want you to work on your interior pass rush or your your exterior pass rush. Um, I mean, his. Uh, I, I just uh, – th- I want to throw him in too in that players we're not talking about enough. Right. I don't think we're talking about Dio Dangbo enough. You know, it's one of those things that – you listen to every GM around, and they always say the one thing you can't have too many of is pass rushers. So if if Dio can show you that, and you look at that draft and go, you got two guys that you know for the next handful of years can be around, that looks really good when you're looking at Chris Ballard's drafts, and you throw in a guy like DeForest Buckner and Yannick Ngakwe that mm-hmm. weren't involved in that, and you have four guys that you trust to get after the passer, yeah. that is something that is really for offensive coordinators to be a little worried about when right. you look at every down – there's a, a couple guys that are going to be in the backfield. You like right. that a lot. I mean, and you, th- you think about rotations, too. You know, it's not like you can have a defensive end play 90% of the snaps. Right. Yeah, he's going to back up Quiddy Pay. Right. Exactly. It's, it's much better to have that rotation going where maybe Quiddy's playing, I don't know, call it, this is just a totally guess number, but it's 60% of the snaps. And then Dio's at like 50% because he can flip in for, you know, Ngakwe or for Quiddy or for Grover or for Buck. I mean, a guy who could maybe flip in in any position on that defensive line. And if he's productive, Gus Bradley and Nate Alley are going to find ways to get him on the field. And that's going to be really exciting to see. It's such a good point you make, too, about Dio Adengbo this time last year. No training camp, no preseason games, 
I mean, he had no acclimation at all to the NFL. And then what was it, week 10, he came off PUP, and then he's just thrust in there. It's like, oh, by the way, go play. And he had that great strip sack on Trevor Lawrence. For him to have a, a normal off season where he's healthy and he's getting time on task, I use that word all the time because or that phrase because the Colts last year just didn't have a lot of it across right. the board in training camp. Obviously, the offseason workout program was condensed and compromised due to COVID-19. Now that everything's back to normal for the team and Dio Adangbo gets a normal offseason, I think he's going to take a huge jump, Just I think bigger than the natural jump that a guy makes between year one and year two regardless. And that's I mean, one of the things we've, we've kind of mentioned is we didn't know anything about him. You know, right. It was one of those things we didn't see him. I remember we all watched him walk into the studio and you're like, wow, this guy is massive. Like he has these broad shoulders and you're just like, wow, ready to see him get out there. So this year it's really going to be, it's going to be fun to just watch because I'm sure for him, he's just ready to play football again. You know, you rehab, you rehab, and then all of a sudden you're back. It's like you never really had a chance to kind of ease into it. This is his way to kind of really ease into his NFL career. And when he was back last year, I mean, he's probably 80%. Right, exactly. Yeah, he he still was less than a year removed from a torn Achilles. Yeah. And he had a niche role because of how his season began. Exactly. You know, so yeah, he's he's in store for a monster season, just like I think Quiddy Pay. Well, come out to Grand Park, see Quiddy Pay, see Dio Adangbo, see all these guys we've talked about. You can go to Colts.com backslash camp for all your information. Get your free tickets there to attend training camp practices at Grand Park. All right, let's go to the time machine. What moment in Colts history do you wish you could go back in time to change slash make right and why? Oh, man. The, the game or the, the season, Casey, you lived here. I've lived here forever. I was 21 years old, giant Colts fan. The, the, the season that still sticks in your crawl that you just have a, still have a hard time getting over is 2005. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I do. 14-2. and two. I think it's maybe collection of talent and, and production, maybe the best yep. team in the history of the franchise, you got Manning, you got James, Rhodes, Wayne, Harrison, Stokely, Clark, Brackett, Mathis, Freeney, Cato, June, Bob Sanders, Jason, David, Marlon Jackson, 14 and two, number two in scoring, number three in passing, number two in scoring defense. You win the division, you've got home field advantage in the playoffs, the number one seed. So the Chargers? Steelers. Steelers, that's what it was. Okay, yeah. It was the Jerome Bettis fumble at the goal oh, line, no. Jason <laughs> David. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger. T- oh, that was the worst. Yeah. Or No, it was Nick Harper. Harper, Nick yeah. Harper Nick Harper picked Harper, it up. Nick Harper, yeah. Oh. Colts yeah, got down man. big. It was 21-3 to in the third quarter. Colts, you know, they, they come back. It's 21-18. to They score. They go for two. They have a chance to go down the field, tie the game. The Colts go for it, like fourth and 16 inside their 20. Manning gets sacked, so it's like, oh, it's over. It's over. Then the Steelers, are they're going in. It's like goal line situation. A minute left, Bettis, boom, smacked by Gary Brackett. Ball pops out. The entire world is losing their mind. Yep. And then, well, Nick Harper picks Nick it Har- up. Yeah. He's compromised with a leg problem. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to go into, that. To go into that. That's, that's a whole, whole other story. That's right a whole there. other podcast. <laughs> he can't run at full speed. And here's this, this overweight rookie quarterback <laughs> out of Miami just swipes him down. He just, yep. you know, saves a touchdown. The Colts move down the field. They get in field goal range, and then boom. The ball lands on Capitol Avenue. You're right, man. Uh, that there's a handful, it, it, which is sad. It, it's probably that way for every NFL franchise. But there's a handful of teams you look at and you're like, that team should have 
done. That was um, a hard game to get over. Yeah. Because they, they were by far the best team in the NFL that season, and the Steelers went on to win the Super Bowl. Yep. Oh, yeah. Rookie right. quarterback. That's, that is damn. I mean, what a career he had. I mean, <laughs> pretty impressive career he had. See, I went another direction. So okay. I didn't go. I didn't go based on a team, or I went for a moment. And I think maybe it's recency biased. Zach Kiefer just had this thing come out. You know, the Luck podcast on the Athletic. But for me, it's it's the way that all unfolded. We all have our own. You know, we were here. Make it right. We we yeah. had that is the, I think the one thing that you know just in the last decade you look at and you wish. A, it wouldn't have happened in the middle of a preseason game. You wish you would have had your own press conference, your own way to announce things. And I think it would have left – I mean, I think there's still always going to be a bit of a sour taste in Colts fans' you know, minds because, you know, this is the face of the franchise retiring at a young age. But I think it would have been a little less of a blow had it been done a little bit more – you know, the way that formally. it typically happens. Formally. Yeah, formally yeah. Is, is a way. So that that's kind of where I went on this as far as historical moments. But you're right. I mean, some of those some of those teams the Colts had with the Manning era, there's a lot of them we look at and go, man, they should have had more than just one. But, you know, that's part of it. So I, I was trying to find something that wasn't as obvious. I have not lived in Indianapolis my right. whole life. I've lived here for about a year. Um But something that's always fascinated me, and it, even listening to the Luck podcast was that keep, would Kiefer did a great job that on great, that. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of set the Colts up as like this joke of a franchise until Peyton Manning arrived. Two years before Peyton Manning arrived, the Colts made the AFC Championship. 95 team, yeah. man. And Captain Comeback. They, Jim Harbaugh yes. is down at the Steelers' 29-yard line with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, there's another Steelers moment right what there. If, there <laughs> what if Jim Harbaugh what if Jim Harbaugh completes a pass into the end zone and the Colts go to the Super Bowl that year? What what if Cordell Stewart doesn't run out of bounds? <laughs> exactly. Come that's back where I bounds and catch a touchdown pass. <laughs> exactly. Huh? You kidding me? Where the hell is instant replay <laughs> in nineteen ninety five? That's where my big thing is where are the replay cameras then? Because you, know? you beat the Chargers on trust me, this is the ten year old version of Matt Taylor, the height <laughs> of my, you know, kid fandom. <laughs> So the Chargers go to the Super Bowl the year before. They get blasted by the 49ers, but they're the best team in the AFC or one of them. And the Colts go out there on New Year's Eve and come back the next week, beat the Chiefs on a frozen tundra. They outlast them with a couple of field goals. And then Cordell Stewart runs out of bounds, back in the end zone, catches a touchdown pass. And then Aaron Bailey still caught that oh, Hail Aaron Mary Bailey, ball. He caught that ball. I know yep. he didn't, but right. the 10-year-old version of me <laughs> still is my, convinced that he my, did. In my eyes, he caught it as well. So I grew up with a, with a Steelers fan. My dad's a Steelers fan. So that was watching that game, there was a lot of up and down moments. You had cheering and then, you know, the, the negative side. and it, That was a very tough game to watch in the Valley household. No, you're exactly right, J.J., because that team that season, that helped turn the city of Indianapolis into a Colts town. And I know it it didn't fully take effect until Peyton Manning arrived, you know, in 1998. But before that, Indianapolis was all Pacers. It was all Indy 500. It was all racing. It was all IU basketball. The Colts were, you know, third or fourth fiddle until that run helped sort of, you know, provide a catalyst. So after that, I had a Jim Harbaugh poster in my room. I had a Marshall Falk poster in my room. I was, I mean, it was, I was all in at that. And I was, let's see, what year was that? 95. Okay. So I was five years old. I was all in. I mean, I'm in. I mean, it's hard to say that at five, but I was, I've always been a huge sports fan. So, I mean, I, those are, I mean, I vividly remember all of that. And I was five. So definitely my Colts, my Colts fandom really started at a young age and it was, you know, in large part, you know, Jim Harbaugh. I'm glad we had that discussion. I'm glad, I'm glad I brought up something (laughs) that got you guys fired up. What the hell's Cordell Stewart right now? (laughs) Hey, I saw, 
and they got they got trounced by the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, like everyone was going to get trounced by the Cowboys, yeah, probably. So, true. but I mean, it would have been uh, it would have been a really cool thing for the Colts to get a Super Bowl before Peyton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then obviously go to a couple more. You know, you could probably pull a couple moments out of the Super Bowl the the Colts lost to the Saints. Yeah, like the onside kick, Hank Basket, Hank Basket, Hank Basket. Um. There are probably some moments you could pull out there. <laughs> oh, All right, well, let's move on here to the conversation. It's okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. The, Matt's fuming. The, it's going to be okay. Sca- now, no, now that we've got the Maytay, now that we've got Maytay fully scabs fired up, healed. let's take a little break for Maytay to <laughs> calm down with the interview I'm he good. and Lara did I'm good. with Zaire Franklin regarding a business academy he put together in Philadelphia this summer in connection with his foundation's Shalice's Angels, which is named after his mother. The interview, again, is done by Lara and Matt Taylor. Enjoy. Joined now by Colts linebacker Zaire Franklin, who has had a busy offseason, not just in terms of training and preparation for the upcoming regular season and, of course, for training camp, which begins here very soon at Grand Park. But he has spent a lot of time giving back to his community in his hometown of Philadelphia, recently hosting a two-day business program that offers Philadelphia-area students an opportunity to develop entrepreneurial skills through a foundation called Shalice's Angels. Zaire, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us about what is such an impactful program. How did you first get involved? How did you have the idea to do this? Uh, well, yeah, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Um, yeah, I got the idea, um, you know, back um, after my rookie year. Um, I always was big in the community, even back in Syracuse, always was very interested in helping out kids. And Syracuse, we used to, get uh, school supplies and book bags and welcome kids in for their first day of school. We used to do that every year um, in Syracuse. So when I first got to um, the league, I was really thinking about ways to give back and, you know, what I really wanted to focus on. And um, I came up with the idea of Shalice's Angels, um, mainly as a nod to my late mother. Um, uh, She would pass when I was 16. Um, And the primary goal at first was really just to give um, underserved communities, you know, minority uh, young women um, in underserved communities, you know, opportunities and different experiences that, you know, they may not have, you know, other chances to to get to to do. You know, we that first year we took a group of 10 girls to, to Google headquarters in New York City and had a great time. They had a chance to see that, took them to meet the CEO of the Sixers and a bunch of stuff. And um, they did different things. But over the years, um, the program is actually kind of shifted more towards a financial literacy um, type of sector, just kind of based off my background uh, with my degree in finance and just different things I've been interested in. So, um, you know, just for us, it's just teaching young kids, you know, seventh and eighth graders and giving them exposed. My biggest thing is just exposing them to things that, you know, I wish I always was capable of being exposed to, showing them that, you know, there's a lot of ways to be successful. There's a lot of different things that, you know, they're capable of doing. And, you know, I think, the biggest thing for, you know, people from, you know, community that I'm from <clears throat> is just visualization. Like if you could see something, if you could touch it, you could meet somebody that's doing something and, and understand kind of how they got there and where they're from, them being from the same place that you're from. Um, I think it just makes accomplishing those things much easier. So um, the biggest thing was just really just how can we give those kids, you know, type of tools or anything to just kind of help them along the way. And we, you know, we came up with the Business Academy. It was our second year doing it. Um, this year, we got three different schools from the Philadelphia area. Um, we got three different speakers um, from all different walks of life. We got a, a, a guy who had a real estate empire. Um, talked to him earlier. He said he was trying to get a, an additional 100 units this year. We got a, 
another guy who uh, sells uh, sea moss, which is like a natural uh, herb that uh, a couple of guys on our team actually take, uh, <laughs> believe it or not. And then um, we also had a young kid who uh, started his own sneaker company and, uh, and doing custom uh, sneakers and, and custom apparel and stuff like that too. So it, it was just a, a great two-day program. The kids, you know, got a lot out of it. I got a lot out of it. Got a chance to play football. I'm at basketball and show them a bunch of stuff and mess around with the kids. So it, it was a great time. Such an incredible program that you have. And with so much of this being founded in, you mentioned financial literacy and entrepreneurship, it's so important to encourage young people who might have these big visions, but not necessarily know how to implement it. And there are, of course, a lot of a lot of football clinics and a lot of ways that you can do that. But so important to be able to inspire kids in a lot of different ways, because there's the fact of there are going to be many more opportunities for you in business. There's only going to be a small percentage that succeed athletically. When you have a program with those business foundations, what are those lessons that you're trying to inspire? still in those people, still in those young people when they are at such a formative point in their lives with this two-day program? Well, I would just think the, fir- the first thing um, that I really wanted to really talk to them about was just that, you know, learning never really ends. You know, I talk to, whenever I talk to kids, I always try to explain to them, you know, like, maybe I was a little bit of a nerd. You know, I always loved school. <laughs> I love going to school. I, I can't, I can't lie. I, I enjoy being in school. It was always something that I enjoyed to do, but um, I always try to explain to them that, you know, learning doesn't end just because you leave school. You know, you constantly have to grow and, and you know, and, and expand your knowledge for different things. And I tell them that that just, you know, that those type of things, um, like it's, it's just a never ending process. Those type of things is something that's like a trait that you can gain that will help you off uh, over in your life. Um, I also talk to them about, you know, just taking chances. You know, I just mm-hmm. felt like, you know, over my life, especially when I was their age, you know, it was I was it was easy, easy to be comfortable and do, you know, what everybody else is doing, but, you know, just join that club, you know, go out for that team that you want to try out. Even if you think you might get cut, just go out, have fun, go take this, you know, class or like, just do whatever you can. You know, I, I told them, you know, one of the biggest steps that I took was, you know, I transferred schools and I went to an all boys school. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, as a young 14 year old, I mean, you kind of like, I don't, I'm not going to an all boys school, but it ended up being, probably the most pivotal decision I made in my life, you know, going to my high school, the South College High School in Philadelphia, um, completely changed my life. It completely exposed me to, you know, just a whole nother world right outside of me, just 15 minutes from my house and just gave me, you know, just a, a variety of friends and just expanded my thing. And, and lastly, I really just talked to them about believing in themselves. You know, I feel like a lot of times, you know, just being from where we're from, you know, it's very easy to kind of typecast yourself or put yourself in a box just based off of, what you're used to seeing, you know? So I, I think just the biggest thing for them is just believe in yourself, believe that you can achieve everything. When people say, oh, you could be the president, you could do whatever you want, like truly believe that and go for it. Set mm-hmm. goals for yourself and, and shoot for it. And, you know, I think I was just there and just always try to let them know that, um, you know, whatever I can do to support them and help them accomplish any goal that they have, whether that's on the field, off the field, in the classroom, or any any setting that it is. Um, that I'll always be there for and always try to help them. So um, I think, you know, it was, it, like I said, it was a great, I feel like sometimes I get more out of the program than they do. <laughs> just, just hang with them, to be honest with you. 
that's your passion and that means you know it's it's very important to you and you talk about being raised by your grandmother and your mother before she passed away and Shalise's angels obviously comes from uh the namesake of your mother um being involved as as much as you are in this project the way it's it's so important to you how how much of that stems from being raised from from two very passionate and and very loving female role models that you had growing up in both your mother and your grandmother? Oh, I mean, honestly, I feel like, you know, it has everything to do with it. You know, those two women um, are, you know, why I am here today. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, losing them at a young age, you know, even though it was tough, um, I I think it it helped shape me into the man that I am today. I'm just going through those type of tough experiences. Um, and, you know, I think everything that I do, I always, you know, do to just try to bring honor and, 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 and love to not only to their namesake um, with my mom, naming my program after her, but, you know, just honor to their memory. And, you know, everything I do, I always just want to make sure that I'm, I'm making them proud and representing them the way, you know, they want to. It, it's funny that uh, I was actually just telling my fiance the other day, sometimes when I'm doing stuff, it's like I still hear my mom yelling at me. Like in the back of my head, it's like when I'm doing something, I hear Zaire use two hands, put your phone down, like little little stuff like that. It's just it's always funny um, that I so I still miss them to this day. But you know, just doing the best thing that I can to mm-hmm. keep their name going and, and bring honor to the name. You do such a fantastic job of representing your family, representing this organization, representing your hometown and Syracuse. And it's so important to for young people to have those experiences of having those role models who they can look up to and people who are showing them, you know, the success that they can replicate and being able to carve out your own path and your own journey and take those risks, like you mentioned. And when you say you get as much out of it, you think, as they did, what is the most benefit that you get or what really stands out when you are able to have these opportunities over the summer and, you know, spend a couple of days here and there with these various programs and a lot of different groups of kids that you have when you mentioned you're going to the Sixers or doing this this two-day business academy well first off I got to be honest they, they keep me they keep me hip you know I go and talk to them I'm like All right, what music y'all listen to what's the dance <laughs> what, what does know, that mean yeah that's the, that's the first thing that I, first thing I got to know I got to know I got to know what's going on what's this next social media they, they telling me that this is another social media at the TikTok. I'm like, what? I'm like, you know, so that's first off, <laughs> they're giving me the information that I need to get. Um, and then honestly, just talking to them, it's just so inspiring. You know, it's just like, I told them, I was like, when I'm hanging out with them, you know, it's funny. Uh, we had kids from three different schools. They had never met each other. Even some of the kids that were in school together um, weren't, you know, weren't really that familiar with each other. But <clears throat> by the end of the second day, you know, everybody's best friends, everybody's hanging out. And Sometimes it feels like I'm I'm just back in eighth grade again, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I think just being with them sometimes, I, I tell them I feel like when I'm talking to them, sometimes I really feel like I'm talking to my younger self, you know. And because I just see myself and you know, and all of them, and just you know, being from same similar environments and just knowing you know what they're going through and, and having an idea of the things that they're going to face as they continue to grow. So um, I'll really just say it, it's, it's really just inspiration, you know. I think those are the type of people that. You know, you do it for you do it to for the to the uh, for the generation behind you. Um, you know, you want to lift as you climb, um, as you can you continue to grow in your life. And so, anytime I could just give back and just let them know that you know your goals are accomplished, uh, you know, uh, are capable. You're capable of doing all that stuff. And you know, when I was growing up, I used to always wonder. I used to sit around and wonder, like, where do the Eagles like 
be at. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like, <laughs> like, where, where is the eagle? What do they do? Like, I never, they were basically a myth, the something that you just see <laughs> on TV. So whenever I go home, it's like, no, look, I'm an NFL player and I'm right here and I'm touching you and I'm, I'm, I'm shaking your hand. I'm hang, hanging out with you. I'm joking with you. We playing basketball. If you want to play football, I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna dominate you. First and foremost, <laughs> I gotta let you know it's not close. But you know, I'm here having fun with you, and I'm giving you tools, and I'm giving you game. You know, to try to help you. You know, on with your life. So, I really just say the biggest thing I get from them is really just inspiration. You know, those kids they just motivate, and inspire me so much. It is so impressive all that you have done already. But I know that you have such great aspirations. What's maybe the next element that you see of incorporating? I know you have a big picture plan for Shalisa's Angels and what you want to do. Maybe what's that next thing that you aspire to incorporating into all of this wonderful work that you guys have already done and, and accomplished and established in a short period of time? Well, it's, it's great to say that. Um, is uh, You kind of mentioned it a little earlier. Um, I always just felt like um, my grandmother always used to always tell me, you know, uh, leave a place better than when you where you found mm-hmm. it. Um, and, you know, I've always tried to affect the communities that I, I was a part of, Syracuse, Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, even though in my five years, you know, I don't I don't know how many community Mondays I've missed. You know, I've, I've been in most of them, but I really feel like um, it's my time to really put my focus on Indianapolis and doing the best that I can to really affect that community. Cause I mean, this is, this is home. This is where, you know, I'm gonna be raising my family. This is where, you know, we'll be, you know, for the next three years. Um, and I think it's just, for me, it's just doing my best to really try to help impact the Indianapolis community and help the kids in the Indianapolis community in the best way I know how. So really most of my focus is trying to transfer there. <clears throat> I actually, um, are in the, in the works of trying to uh, do a business Academy, um, in Indianapolis uh, right before the season starts. Um, so hopefully we could get that done before the season going um, and, you know, just all the other different efforts we can do. But I really just say, I think the next step for me is just really just um, focusing on Indianapolis and, and those communities and the kids in, in, in that community and really just being that, you know, inspiration for those kids. Cause you know, we're here all the time and I, I know what it feels like to, you know, have, you know, athletes, who, you know, play in your city and you kind of be like, man, like you see them do great things and, and give back. And you're like, man, like I wish he would do that at my school. I wish, mm-hmm. you know, he would pull up to my school and hang out. So now I, I got to I gotta pull up and show out in Indianapolis because I feel like that's just, I think that's just what I, I feel like I'm being called to do. And that just further illustrates why you were selected as a captain, why you were regarded as such a strong leader within this organization. And you mentioned your family. You welcomed your son Cairo back in February, correct? Yes, I did. I did. (laughs) What has this time been like? Because it's although I know you've been training, of course, and putting a lot of time in, of course, with your your foundation as well. And you had mini camp and OTAs and all that. But you really had such a significant period of time home with your newborn. How fun has that been for for you and your your young family growing into this new role as a father? Oh, man, it's uh, it's life changing. You know, it's so funny. Uh, (laughs) I, uh, so I was, uh, so when, uh, before he, he the baby came, uh, I, I used to sit in the media uh, room with, uh, Matt Conti and Christian and Hayden, cause they, they, uh, have, you know, young ones. Mm-hmm. So just talk to them about, you know, kids and stuff like that. And obviously talking to, you know, my teammates, Darius, you know, Xavier, all those guys, and you know, the force. And I, I, when I, once Cairo came, I told him, I was like, you couldn't oversell it if you wanted to, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> True story. Yeah. That, it's one of those things that like everyone tells you is like, I remember talk, I used to talk to Rigo and Luke uh, every, every Saturday. 
because uh, Rigo had his daughter um, during the season. I used to, so I used to, end of the season, I was like, Rigo, I'm, I'm on deck, Rigo. Give me, give me, give me the game. Like, what, what's, what's what I'm walking into? And Rigo just like, man, you're going to love it. And I mean, they never lied. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like your heart's outside of your body. It's, uh, it's a wonderful experience. I'm just, you know, looking forward to just, you know, watching them grow and just being there for them, you know, every way possible. Hey, Zaire, last one for me. You know, we, we've gotten to know you a little bit over the last four years. You know, just you, you never cease to to impress. And, uh, you know, you're just a, a very, very humble guy, but a very impressive guy. And as Larry said, a very, very good leader. And you've got a, just a, a great head on your shoulders. But you, you talked about going to a great school at Syracuse. You graduated with a finance degree. You're putting that to work, even though you're a professional football player. But I just want to know, hypothetically, if you weren't playing for the Colts, if you weren't in the NFL, what do you think you'd be doing with that finance degree, you know, outside of, of being a professional athlete? It's funny that you say that. I was actually just talking to somebody about this uh, yesterday. Um, I was uh, right in like, my sophomore year. I feel like, I don't know, for most guys, I don't know how their whole college career go. But for me, it was like a certain point where you like, all right, do I, do I start trying to look for a job or am I going to go to the NFL? Mm-hmm. You know, so... I mean, probably, you know, I, at, originally when I was in Syracuse, I was uh, majoring in uh, finance and marketing. I ended up having to drop my uh, marketing major because I needed to uh, leave to train for the draft. But I probably would have been somewhere in New York or, you know, you know, in one of those one of these banks or something like that, you know, trying to, you know, figure that stuff out. Still trying to get back to me, but probably always dealing with the money. You know, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy at the end of the day. Uh, but uh, hopefully, you know, um, with this experience and stuff like that, I, I always, I always talk to, uh, I actually talked to Chris about this too, uh, Ballard. Um, you know, maybe I could just take combine the, the numbers and the, and, and the football <laughs> experience with it, maybe a front off position when I'm done or something. Like right. That. But we'll see how all that goes. Can you be my financial advisor? I mean, I think you can handle that. <laughs> I don't know if you want like me. I'm, I'm, I'm a hard sell. Man. <laughs> I'm gonna have you on a tight rope. I don't know if that's what you want. <laughs> uh, I just want you to be aggressive in the market. Make me, make me some dough. All right. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. So if you're the finance guy, you're the financial mind behind it. But being that the the academy is founded in entrepreneur entrepreneurship, who is a teammate? If he pitched an idea to you for a business that you would be like, I'll go in with you. I'll handle the finance. You've got the idea. You've got a concept that you would get on board with. Uh, mm, that's a lot. You put me on the spot. I know. The, fir- the first one. That- All right. Well, let me just say this. The person that's going to come to me with an idea is definitely EJ. EJ is going to come to me with some crazy idea. But that's usually going to be me talking about the legs. Like, hold on, EJ, that's crazy. <laughs> Slow your roll, EJ. You're doing a lot. But EJ definitely my boy. Probably probably Darius, though. You know, obviously, D. Leonard, man, I know I know how he is about a lot of stuff. I know how he, you know what I'm saying, how, how he approaches everything. Yeah. So I could probably see me and D. Leonard. Um, Kenny, too. I know Kenny. Kenny always got a lot of stuff going on, too, so. I don't know. It's a, it's a couple of guys. Man. I got to give a couple of guys. But I definitely tell you, EJ, EJ is going to come in with some crazy, some crazy <laughs> scheme. But me and EJ might have to cook something up. I don't know. <laughs> no doubt. There are a lot of dynamic minds within that defense. And, you know, also, I mean, not only are you guys all so smart, but you're also so kind and community centric. When you think about looking at the work that Darius has been doing this summer back in Lakeview, Kenny always has his camps that he does down there in Valdosta. So really grateful for you guys, not only all of the hard work that you invest into this organization, into this franchise. It's an 
honored to get to work alongside you guys, but also just so in awe, so impressed and admire so much what you guys pour yourselves into doing off the field as well. Really appreciate the times I hear. Can't wait to see you back here when we get training camp rolling very soon. Can't wait to be back. Uh, appreciate you guys having me. Always give me opportunities just to speak on the things I got going on. Can't, can't wait to get back and get this thing rolling this year. All right, good stuff right there from Zaire Franklin. Let's go to the mailbag. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to will. I like this question because it kind of sums up the last two podcasts we've had and the things we've talked about in that on position battles. So Cody Felger at CPFelger55 on Twitter asks, which position battle interests you the most? So to re- refresh, we talked about six on the last two podcasts. That would be safety, third cornerback and D-line rotation, left tackle, third running back, and wide receiver on offense. Now there's one other position battle that we haven't talked about here. I think I know what it is. Would you like to take it? Is it special teams? It's on special teams. Yeah. Kicker? It is kicker. Yeah. Mm. And and I'll go that route just for for the sake of argument because we haven't talked about it, but you know, Rodrigo Blankenship is used to this. You know, he's he's had to right. beat out Chase McLaughlin his rookie year. Last year he outlasted uh, Eddie Pinero, and both kickers had fantastic summers and training camps. I think we would all agree that when Rodrigo spoke in the offseason workout program to the media, he had a little bit of a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, I would you know, say so. He had a little bit of an edge, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. But you know how we have come to know Rodrigo the first couple of years. Uh, you know, he's normally sort of bubbly, outgoing, and, and not that he wasn't. He just had a little bit more of a, you know, fire in his eyes, which is is great because, you know, last year, week five, suffers the hip and then doesn't get his spot back. You know, Michael Badgley was kicking solidly, and so the Colts stuck with him, and maybe that does provide a little bit of a chip on Rodrigo's shoulders, you know, going into this season. So he's trying to prove, I think he takes umbrage, with the fact that people think that he can't be consistent over 50. I think hopefully he'll prove some people wrong as far as that goes uh, in in training camp. Having consistency over the range of 45, 50, he he did that consistent in college. So I think he's trying to prove himself once again from distance uh, in the NFL, competing with a guy like Jake Verity who has – not the experience in the NFL, but just a lot of rawness. He, he's got a big leg spent last year with the um, uh, Baltimore Ravens. Which is kind of a proving ground right. for kickers. Right. We, we, we've talked about that. So it, I, it's going to be a competition. To what degree, I don't know. But until they make that call at the end of training camp, there's going to be two guys vying for that spot on special teams. Well, I think it's one of those things that competition you always want, and I think definitely at that kicker spot it's definitely important. I think that if you would talk to you know staff in front office, I would say that Hot Rod has the, you know, he's got the leg up, mm-hmm. if you will. I think they kind of want him to win that spot, but I think we have seen the best of him when he is in a competition. So I think that's part of this too is to say, hey, you know, we understand what happened last year. Badgley, I mean, we, we can all agree that there was a reason they didn't bring Hot Rod back because Badger was kicking so well. There was no reason to kind of mess with that. So I think it is kind of a, hey, let's see, you know, let's see if you still have what we think you have because we still want you to be the guy. We just want to make sure. Here's the thing is there are very few kickers in the NFL who are not going to have someone pushing them. Right. Yeah. Training yeah. Camp. Mm-hmm. You, you got, you know, top of your, your, your position, like the Justin Tuckers of the world. They're going to have a guy like Jake Verity come in as a rookie as a camp leg, but Justin Tucker's not losing his job in training camp. Mm-hmm. But 
the vast majority of kickers in the NFL are going to have some competition. Absolutely. And it makes – I mean, last year, Rodrigo Blankenship didn't miss a kick right. at all <laughs> in the preseason. And Eddie Pinheiro, by the way, I don't think missed a kick at no, all. He didn't either. I don't, in training I don't camp think and either. In pre- yeah. Yeah. Nobody right. missed a but kick. But that's, that's great. That's what you want. Exactly. You want that. And, I, you know, that's – again, it's why you bring in a guy like Jake Faraday to push Rodrigo thinking, hey, Rodrigo, you can, you should go out and win this, but you're not just going to be handed the job. Mm-hmm. Um, a, another position, I'm just I'm excited now that Casey talked about Bernard Ryman. Uh, I'm excited for that left tackle competition because you, you framed it really well. That like Matt Pryor is the guy who's going to get the first crack at it, but Matt Pryor only has one start at right. left tackle in his career. He's a good player. He's a solid player. We haven't seen it on a day-to-day basis. We haven't seen Bernard Ryman on a day-to-day basis, so there is a pretty significant opening there. Um, and left tackle is one of those positions, too, where, like, you know, I could say third cornerback, where you're kind of charting, like, okay, who's making the play, who's making the play, but I'm not I'm not Ron Miles. I'm not watching the tape of what Isaiah Rodgers is doing on a play where right, the right. ball goes to the other side of the field. Right. Like, that stuff matters. Right. But to my from my viewing standpoint, I don't know what what's going on over there. I'm not that. That's not my job. I'm not that smart, like Ron Miles. Um, you know, wide receiver. You can see guys making plays, but again, that's kind of the same thing. Like, what are you doing when the ball isn't coming to you? Exactly. Left tackle is one of those positions where you can zero in on it for a whole practice and watch Pryor and Ryman and the other guys and be like, all right, I think I I think I mm-hmm. sort of know what's going on a little bit more than at the other positions. Just based on, like, did you block the guy or not? That's that's the key. That's, yeah. that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And, I mean, like you said, I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into it than what I'm looking at it for. But that I'm just really intrigued because it's just that unknown. Because I mean, you might have a diamond in the rough and Matt Pryor. It may be that left tackle is this guy's spot. We're going to see something we didn't know. But then also you don't know what you have in Bernard Ryman right. just because there's just not much tape there because he only played, I think it's one full season at left tackle during his time at Central Michigan because he had a little bit of issues with the you know the, the COVID that right. kind of shut down a lot of things. And then, as you mentioned, he started at tight end. So there's just not much experience there. But you've got the intangibles, the size, all of that stuff you just can't teach that he has. So it's going to be just – I'm I'm just fascinated to see where we are come like the middle of August, and we've seen a handful of practices for these guys to see where that competition looks. Because we may know two weeks in that okay, it's going to be this guy. But right. who knows? We'll, this we'll find is out. this is a hypothetical question. I'm just thinking out loud. I don't know the answer to this, but how much of a factor in terms of who wins that battle? How much of it is going to boil down to who's better in the running game? Because I think philosophically, the ball's going to be out with Matt Ryan, right? And so it's not going to be – I'm not saying that the left tackle's you know job to protect is not going to be important. Don't get me wrong. It's not right. what I'm saying. But I think the ball is going to be out. It's going to be like Phillip Rivers in 2020. Agreed. So who's better in the running game from that left tackle position, and how much does that weigh? I get it. Matt Ryan – Matt Ryan's offensive line the last couple of years has been pretty shaky. Um, I thought you were going to say something else. <laughs> Me too. You can sub in some words there or some letters. Um, I think the Colts owe it to Matt Ryan to have, and I'm not. It's all it's all sliding scale here, right? Like, but I think they owe it to Matt Ryan to have a a left tackle who can block somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, let, let's say they're both roughly. If they're roughly even in terms of pass blocking, then yeah, run blocking is going to be where that goes. Right. But if if we're talking like let's say just for hypothetical sake Bernard Ryman is like 
three levels higher than Matt Pryor as a pass blocker, but Matt Pryor is two levels higher as a run blocker, I think you might still go to Ryman. Just because, again, you're like mm-hmm. we talked about earlier, you're trying to emphasize the pass a little bit more. And if you're doing that, I mean, also, by the way, you got Quentin Nelson next to the guy. Yeah. So that can probably help you a little Quentin bit. You got Quentin Nelson with... and Jonathan Taylor is pretty good at, at yeah. making his own, you, his you own got, space. You got <laughs> probably the best run, just the best guard in the NFL playing next to whoever this is going to be. So that might help a little bit, too. I just was throwing it out there for hypothetical sake. I, I agree with you, but but I do think that it's fascinating either way because you got, have a guy that has – no experience in the NFL versus a guy that relatively has no experience playing left tackle. How much can a quarterback like Matt Ryan help either guy who ends up being the starter? Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I I would agree with you. I I don't I don't really know whether or not you're going to weigh it whether it be run or pass. But I think I'm convinced that come two to two and a half weeks into camp, we're going to have a clear cut. That's going to be the guy. Yeah. That's what I think. I like it. Mete. Yes, sir. Your random thought of the week. Let's okay. go to the jingle. Mayday's Random Thought of the Week. And why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. You guys going out of town? You know if it's cold there? Do these vans get good gas mileage? Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! This one's easy this week, guys. I want to know, is there a song or a band or an artist, a singer, that you are embarrassed to admit that you like? Driving down the road, Casey Valiates, just you. Here we go. Well, seeing as you went to that kids' concert. Oh, well, oh, yeah, Yeah. that's true. Your wife, your kids, they're not in the car with you, but you've got the windows down, you're blaring. So I think I'm going to get ripped, especially by Matt Taylor (laughs) for this one. Yeah, that's the point of this segment. Because, you know, he's Mr. Music. This one, I I don't even shy away from it, whether it's my wife or kids in the car. So 2001 ish, I want to say this song came out. And I don't know what it was about the song. It hooked me, and I, I've been hooked on her for a long time. Ooh. Avril Lavigne's Skater Boy came out, okay? <laughs> Here we go. I'm, I knew the last would come, all right? So it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. Boom. I'm glad you guys laughed. Yeah, dude, Thank you. Ever. Yeah. So this is how bad it's gotten. This It's to the point where... If Avril Lavigne comes on the radio, my wife will look at me and go, oh, here's your celebrity here's wife. Your girl. Here's your girl. I mean, we've got songs saved on our Sirius that will come on, oh my and my God. kids will just, they, they love it. They think it's the funniest thing. But, like, I don't know what it is. This song, it just, <laughs> it did it for me. And then, like, like, as I got a little older, I started to lose a little bit of respect, like, I'm not not to bash Nickelback, but I'm not a huge Nickelback fan. Well, she married Chad Kroger, the lead singer of Nickelback. So I was like, okay, oh. come on, Avril. Oh. Like, let, let me let me come to me. I'll I give did, you a little bit. I more. didn't think we could get worse, but we just did. But did, then, did you see any wedding photos? Did you? Well, look they at they've this been divorced. Look so, at um, this photograph. <laughs> Every time I hear it makes me laugh. But then, but then I saw her in concert like four or five years ago, and she was not good. I don't know if it was the sound. So were you she, like a Blink One Eighty Two guy? Were oh, you yeah. like you know? I did. I did like some blink like I mean, lit remember lit lit yeah. i do that uh, lit there's a i got a little love hate relationship with with lit that we'll talk about later on that's a different podcast there but uh, please I mean, tell for, me why the, the avril lavigne thing i have no idea why but it's it, it's still there i mean if skater boy comes on i'm probably going to blare it up in the car but regardless of who's in there with me but the album version 
album no, version. No live. Live, live version no good. did not did not do anything <laughs> for me. It almost turned me away. But the the album version all day long. You know you know what? Tip of the cap. <laughs> respect. I knew I would get back to you. I wasn't I expecting you the that laugh. Opinion, opinion, oh yeah, hey, that in a public forum. I'm yes. all right with it. I, I am. I am. I do not. There, there's, it's okay. That's great. I, I Whatever like, strikes a chord with you, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> there's a lot of things that strike a chord that Matt knows musically. They're like, what are you doing? But this? that is the one that I knew I would get ripped by you, but I'm all right with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't top that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Segment when, done. When you said 2001, my mind was going in a bunch of different yeah, places. Oh, yeah. I thought it was going to be like Oleander or something. Or, or like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a lot of different directions I could go. I'm glad you guys didn't know that was the where I was going. Okay. Or like Live or Bush. No. Remember that, like in 2001? There and they go. all sounded the same to me. They did. You know, they that was did. my they problem. Absolutely I, did. I didn't dislike it, but it was like, all right, I can't tell you which band this one is because they all sound they the same. They all sounded the same. <laughs> JJ, what do you got? I mean, I, he's I'm going to share mine, but it's not going to be anywhere close <laughs> to Otherwise, I'm just going to play Skater Boy again. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll, I'll sh- all right, all right, all right. So right around 2001, oh, an album go. came out. All right. The first two tracks on it. Are the best five minutes of music I've ever heard in my life. Oh, okay. Wow. It would be Andrew WK's I Get Wet. The tracks are It's Time to Party, and then the next track is Party Hard. Party Hard, you might remember from Madden. It was in a Madden game in like 2000 something. Huh. What was it called? Party Hard. Party Hard. Here we if go. If you hear it. Yeah. This was in a video game? Yeah, this was in a video game. Okay. All right. All it's right. just a. It's, like when you're like picking your teams, your players, yeah, like setting yeah. you up for, right. for gameplay. So, this is not good. Like th- this is not good music. <laughs> but whenever I listen to it, it just takes me back. Takes to you like back. Yeah. A great time. Like during college, post college, we used to like listen to this when we were gonna like go out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just dorks. That's a, I was and, a dork too. I'd have been right up this alley. Where are we going tonight, JJ? <laughs> yeah. Where are we and going? We're going quarter, to the ar- arcade, it's, baby. It's quarter beer night. <laughs> I uh, love this. I love this. <laughs> yeah. So that that's mine. Thank you for not playing right. Skater Boy. Yeah, <laughs> Mayte, what's yours? Though? Mad props to you. I want to know what Mayte's is. It is Jay Ferguson and Thunder Island. Wow. Because it's like in the yacht rock category. Absolutely, yeah. it is. You know, and I'm not a fan of <laughs> at all. No, you're not. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, like, there's just something about this song. Like, if this song, like I said, if this is on the car windows down it makes me think of like going to the pool with your buddies yep. in the summer or like the big dance in junior high on a saturday night like anything's possible you know like am i gonna get a number tonight <laughs> you know well they asked me to drive around yeah, later, hey, you know? all right i don't know there's just something about this song okay i can get down with this song yeah there's is this, literally was this song in uh, fast times is it in fast times because it sounds like that this song this song no this okay. song was in uh anchorman 2 yeah, okay. which is right. equally as bad as the song. Yes, yeah, Anchorman too. <laughs> Woo. Listen, you can put this song on. This is great background music. Like you just put this on, not really listen to it, but you'll just be kind of like tapping your fingers, like Casey is right I'm now. I'm a like, little embarrassed that I like this song. Yeah. It's just good, like garage cleaning it's like, music. Yeah, like you know? yeah, like yeah, disco yeah, yeah. yacht rock. Yeah, you know. But see, yes. I, but see, I also like a good yacht rock playlist when we're like <laughs> out at the beach or like oh, yeah. out on the boat at the lake, like, like the Doobie Brothers or something. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, it's just like great background music. Yeah, yacht rock for me. See, yacht rock. We were talking about you know Bush and uh, live. Mm-hmm. Yacht rock. It all sounds like everybody's the yeah. Exact it's all the exact same, same song. And like an hour later, you're like, have we? Has the song changed? <laughs> but I don't really mind this. Yeah. <laughs>
I'm, that's not that embarrassing. No, I mean, it's, not, I just, it's I, not that embarrassing. I just shared Skater Boy, okay? So, yeah. Well, know, there's nothing you that's going to... You were, you were so honest. Like, I was honest, and you were so honest. Maybe there's something deeper down. Or like, May, Mayte's like, you know what I really like? My kid just got into watching Blippi. Like, oh, I really like that Blippi. excavator Anything song. Anything but Blippi. Maybe something by Huey I'm Lewis or something. Excavator. Oh, the worst. It's the worst. Oh, it's I, the worst. It's the worst, Casey, and now it's going to be stuck in my head all day. Oh, it's always stuck in my head. Every time I see one outside, I'm like, hey, dirt, see you later. Yeah, okay. God, we've got to end this podcast. Good segment, I'm so boys. sorry to Good every segment. parent of a toddler who's listening to this who now has that horrible excavator song stuck yeah, in their head. The Skater Boy downloads on Spotify just skyrocketed. Skyrocketed, yep. yep there we go. I can't wait to see a chart of that. It's going to go from like 2225 back down to 2 tomorrow. All right. Boy, guys. There's no segue hey, out of you know, that. Is no, there? no, no, no. The segue no is if you want to hear some good music, there you go. actually there good you go. music, <laughs> the Jim Ursay Collection is coming to Chicago. It's Mike going to Mills. Navy Pier on August 2nd. Mate, who's the special guest singer? I don't know yet. We well, don't. No, 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 no. There is one that's announced. Oh, it's Ann Wilson. It's Ann Wilson. Yeah, but there's Incredible. others in the works. It's outstanding. Yeah, there's the staples in the band. You've got, you know, Kenny Arnoff. You've got Mike Mills, yep. uh, Kenny Wayne Shepard. There's always chance of major big name cameos guest musicians to go up and play with the band i don't think those have been released just yet but we do know ann wilson of heart they, they've got to be in the rock roll hall of fame right heart Heart's i mean they've got to be i mean 15 huge hits so gotta i mean be, you want to yeah. talk about music lore i mean ann wilson's definitely in that category yeah, so she's going to be at the one in chicago don't know about the dates uh, in indianapolis just yet in terms of special guests but they're going to be there so just come. It's free. Yes. Why not? It's free. So just see greatness on stage all at one time. And if you can't make it up to Chicago for that Jim Irsay Collection uh, showcase, the Jim Irsay Collection is coming to Indianapolis. The collection will make a stop at Lucas Oil Stadium on September 9th and 10th. The event is open to the public. And while tickets are free, advanced registration will be required to attend. Casey, you talked about it on the podcast last week about how you're like, I might go the first day and then bring my family the second day. Yeah. Like, that sounds great. I was just like, I'm going to pencil it in. I want to go that first day and just kind of take it in all myself or I'm not, like, chasing kids around. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But, like, man, the stuff there is is just really, really cool. And uh, it's a really neat thing that it's coming to Lucas Oil Stadium and everyone here will get to experience that. By the way, Heart 2013 case. Okay, there you go. Rock yeah. and roll. Okay. Well, one of the things for me, like, I grew up in a very musically, like, that's my parents – we have been playing music my entire life. They used to be in a band. My dad was in a band. They met singing and dancing at Holiday World. I mean, this is music is just enriched inside the Valier household. So when I was telling my parents some of the things that we get these emails of the you know latest additions to the collection, I keep sending these things to my parents. Like they're licking their chops. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? So like like the Janis Joplin, um, what is it? The guitar that that mm -hmm. he just Bobby bought. McGee. The Bobby McGee. Mm -hmm. Like my mom's all time favorite is Janis Joplin. So like I've told my parents about, and they're like. So it might be one of those things that I do, like, my parents and me mm -hmm. on the first day, and then I take my kids and wife. We'll, we'll see. I have a feeling that you'll see me both the ninth and the 10th over there, especially for a free event to see all this stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, this is music history that is you don't you don't get to see every day. You have to travel to different museums to see you it, don't and it's coming see right it all here. in one place. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. It's really, really cool. So, again, advanced registration is required to attend, and tickets are free for both events of the Jim Irsay Collection in Chicago and Indianapolis. You can follow the Jim Irsay Collection on Facebook and Twitter for additional details as the event grows, gets closer. Not grows closer. 
Can you grow closer? You can I guess grow you can closer. closer somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Casey Draws and I have closer, closer. would yeah, we've be <laughs> the proper verb there. Um, coming up this week on the Colts Audio Network on Friday, the last word will have a full preview of Colts training camp and a chat with Colts Vice President of Marketing, Stephanie Pemberton, regarding all the events at Grand Park for training camp, Colts City, some really cool stuff. Going to be up at Grand Park once again. And the Colts Reunion Podcast this week will have a sit-down with former Colts defensive end, Ring of Honor member, and future Hall of Famer, I think, mm-hmm. Robert yeah, Mathis. That'll be out this week, so please rate, review, subscribe to the Colts Audio Network so you do not miss an episode of the Colts Reunion Podcast, of The Last Word, and, of course, of the Colts official podcast presented by WinBet. For Casey Vallier and Matt Taylor, I'm JJ Stankovitz. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week from Grand Park in Westfield. Westfield.